<laughs> I'll just pull a dust in and just be like, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that has been this podcast. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>another bad chance without pants podcast this is episode number 46 right tim right tim right you are correct sir finally yes <laughs> i feel like i have liberated a country <laughs> by, <laughs> by doing nothing so now that you got uh, so the, thank you for that so now that you got the correct episode number right what are you going to do next uh i am going to disney world not disneyland Disney World. Excellent choice. Yeah, because Disney World has the ad at uh, the park and not Disneyland, so <laughs> that is a wiser yeah. choice. I have been to Disneyland, though. I mean, uh, Disney World. And I have to say, I think Disney World is a little too big because, you know, just going off memory, I don't remember a lot of the little details about, like, oh, this is an African safari or this is supposed to be, you know, uh, the princess castle or whatever. Uh-huh. I just remember it as man, they got like good food there and <laughs> expensive good food, but <laughs> yeah, like, their shops are pretty cool and you know just little stuff like that. I, I don't remember like the big stuff, like you know, going on rides and stuff. Okay, yeah, I've never been to Disney World, but of course Disneyland's pretty close to where I live, so I've been there a bunch <laughs> of times. <so. laughs> Sure, it's not too far away, Tim. It's, uh, you know, it's a pretty far drive, right? It's not too far, just too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, like, when I was like, a kid, uh, we had the annual passes where you can pretty much yeah. go whatever you want over the whole year. I remember back then, the cheap, the cheapest pass was 99 bucks, and the most expensive one where you can go any day you want, free parking, was 200 I just looked at it oh. recently. Now the very cheap pass is, like, 300 bucks, and the one that used to be 200 is like 600 now. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and, and that's per pass. So, like, if yeah. you went with your mom and dad, they would have to shell out, what, $300 for, yep. the, for the cheap one? Yeah, that's crazy. Like, man, I, I remember just a few years ago it wasn't that much, but I just can't believe it. <laughs> uh, it's not worth it. Uh, until at least when they get new Star Wars attractions there, that's when I'll be going back. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it would be worth it for, for Star Wars, right? But, I mean, the Star Wars section is going to be a small part of the whole Disneyland theme park. I mean, it's mostly going to be Disney stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, like the Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. And what they should do is all, just uh, yeah. get rid of Tomorrowland and just make it Star Wars land now. Because that's going to be the draw. <laughs> Especially some of the ideas that are being rumored, like having a life-size Millennium Falcon outside where that's like your entrance into Tomorrowland and having a speeder bike ride, a cantina restaurant. I mean, just call it Star Wars Land. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Land. Oh, they, awesome. they have to come up with a, a, a better name for that. <laughs> it's got to be like, 
Jedi world or, <laughs> or Jedi far, uh, far away land. Yeah, <laughs> <galaxy> far. <laughs> uh, but anyways, stop talking about Disney, Tim. Jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, I derailed the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the Bad Fans Without Pants podcast. Uh, we got Tim. Tim, say hi to the good people, if you haven't already. Actually, I didn't when I was talking, so I'll do it now. Hello, everybody. Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Dane, and uh, I love uh, Star Wars and Batman and uh, uh, baseball. So now that we know each other, uh, finally. <laughs> after uh, 46 episodes. <laughs> yeah, after 46. Now, now that you know my likes, I expect a good Christmas present from everybody except for Tim, because Tim, you don't celebrate Christmas, right? No, I don't. And some, and it really, when uh, you think about spending money on gifts and everything, it's a convenience. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask you: since you're a Jehovah's Witness, um, let's say there is a there's a special, like uh, you get all six Star Wars movies. Uh, plus uh, some extra stuff, and each individual copy is signed by Mark Hamill, uh, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford. Uh, but it has uh, Christmas paraphernalia on the front. Can you still buy that or no? Yeah, because the well, it depends on. Well, yeah, I will buy it because there's probably ways to get that Christmas stuff off of there. I just have it be Star Wars, <laughs> and plus the content itself has nothing to do with Christmas, so. Yeah. What if? <laughs> Another one of your what ifs. Yeah. What if the uh, the main title screen on the Blu-ray <laughs> says a "Special Star Wars Christmas"? I could just even skip it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to get you. I'm trying to find a little little detail where you can't do it, even though it's like the greatest thing to ever come to Star Wars ever. You mean like the holiday special Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't really need to watch that, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, let's get back to the show, I guess. Stop derailing us, Tim. It's always your fault. <laughs> yeah, as usual. We can't even go ten minutes without me going up topic. But uh, let's do our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentary, where we... Each, in each episode, we take one minute of The Dark Knight Rises and do a commentary for that one minute because there's a crap ton of Dark Knight Rises commentaries throughout the different Bat- Batman podcasts. I mean, even the Batman universe has one, which is really good, which is why we're not doing a full-length one because, you know, we don't want to copy them and be labeled as... Uh, wannabes, copycats? Wannabes, copycats. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. So... Uh, we're going to do it minute by minute, minute by minute, and um, for this episode, we're going from minute one to minute two. Uh, Actually, it's our like last episode two to three. No, no, because we didn't do one to two. Yeah, because yeah, we, we did two already. We did zero to one last time. It was one yeah. to two. Now we're two to three. No, but that episode didn't get released. Tim, stop letting people behind the the steel curtain. Okay, now <laughs> now I'm really confused. <laughs> We're going from one to two. All right, now I have to reset my counter again. <laughs> oh, Tim, you're always bringing this podcast down. <laughs> I go off topic. I'm not prepared. Just, can I do anything? Uh, can you? Yeah. Can you please do one thing right, Tim? 
Okay, I'm set. All right, so now that Kitten is set, the most unprofessional co-host in the history of podcast. <laughs> Glad to have that title. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, I mean, all, all you have to do is sync up your um, your DVD player or your uh, digital download uh, to the one-minute mark, and you should see the, the bat logo kind of forming. It's almost full. And... Uh, I'm going to give you a countdown, and we're going to hit play. So, you ready, Tim? All set. All right. So, three, two, one, hit play. The logo is cracking, cracking, cracking. There's the bad logo. (laughs) (laughs) And there's Gordon giving Harvey Dent's eulogy speech. Yep. Which I wonder if there's people who don't like having that as the intro, and they just wanted to get started with the the truck driving on the grass, or a lot of people think that's the perfect way to start the movie. Yeah, but you got to have some kind of context. In case anyone forgot about Harvey Dent. (laughs) Yeah, or connecting the two movies. I mean, you can't just, like, assume people know that, I guess, right? I guess. I mean, it does make works perfectly with the movie. I just find it curious if there's anyone who... Doesn't think that fits. Yeah. And the minute's coming to a close right <laughs> now. Right as the agent turns his head. <laughs> I know. So next episode, we'll be bringing you at least a portion of the uh, plane flight. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully they'll make it on the plane in the next one. <laughs> they'll just be walking up the stairs. <laughs> And that's it. Uh, yeah, a minute of just walking up the stairs. It's it's, <laughs> it's quite the challenge, you know, walking up those plain stairs or whatever those things are called. Uh, so, yeah, that's our minute-by-minute uh, minute Dark Knight Rises commentary. So tune in next episode from minute two to minute three. And uh, hopefully by our 290-something episode, we'll be done with this. <laughs> Hopefully. But I, I'm just hoping there's some listener out there who's never seen The Dark Knight Rises, and this is their first experience that is hearing our commentary for it. Minute by minute, every two weeks. <laughs> That's going to be I'm the first I'm not going to say it's an impossibility, Tim, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of a impossibility. A 0.0.1 chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyway... Uh, let's move on to our feature topic. So, Tim, why don't you give us your feature topic for this episode? Yes, and this is going to be a good one, because it's about a few more days. Christmas Day is going to mark the 20th anniversary of Batman Mask of the Phantasm hitting theaters. And while it wasn't in theaters for long, <laughs> it's definitely remembered as being one, definitely being remembered as the best animated Batman movie, but just one of the best Batman movies in general. And arguably probably still the best Batman movie, depending on who you are. So we're just going to go ahead and talk about why it's so awesome. So, so well, thankfully I have a vivid memory of seeing it for the first time because I was 10 or, yeah, I was 10 when it came out. It was, like I said, winter 93. I remember that the night before uh, we're having a sleepover with some friends of ours and we're going to stay up all night playing Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo, but knew we were going to go see Batman Mask of the Phantasm the next day. And that's when I first saw it. My mom took us, and I just remember 
really liking it. It was cool seeing Batman the Animated Series on the big screen. But I have to say, I probably didn't fully appreciate how awesome it was till later on as I got older. Because when you think about it, I mean, there's some cool action in it, but it's not really an action-oriented movie. It's really a drama, I would say, a drama and a love story. And once I got older and started appreciating how awesome the story is and this is a great retelling of how Bruce became Batman, and of course it's different from the comics, but the stuff Bruce Tim, Alan Burnett, Eric Wadonsky, Paul Dini, all the people who worked on it, wrote it, directed it, they just did a knockout job of probably creating one of the best, I don't want to say origin stories for Batman because it's not really an origin story, but we get flashbacks of it, and we just really see the, I guess, important moments of Bruce's life that made him decide to become Batman, the choice he had to make, and if he really wanted to keep his promise and to stay with Andrea or become Batman like he promised his parents, and just that whole dilemma that he had throughout the movie. And getting the Joker in there, too, was an added bonus, because when I first saw the movie, and all the commercials that were going on at the time was just, you know, the phantasm. And I, and I don't recall ever seeing Joker in any of the commercials. So when he finally showed up on screen, it was just really cool. Like, oh, man, Joker. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And, of course, Mark Hamill did an awesome job. So, yeah, just really liking it when it first came out. But then as I got older watching it on video and then DVD, it just, just really appreciating how awesome it is. And it's still the best animated Batman movie and. I still like to call it probably my favorite Batman movie of all time still. I mean, Dark Knight and Batman Mask of the Phantasm, maybe you really shouldn't compare it because one's animated and one's live action, but I still find myself watching Mask of the Phantasm more often than not. So <laughs> I probably still have to call that my favorite Batman movie of all time. Yeah, and the Phantasm, I mean, what a great villain. Yeah. Because when you first see her, it's like, is she a ghost or is she like a quote-unquote phantasm? Uh-huh. But it... it I mean, it's so great how they play with that, and it just turns out that she's, you know, just a regular person. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, tw- it's a lot of twists and turns in the story, too, because it throws you off where you think, oh, okay, I know who the Phantasm is, it's going to be her father. But maybe we should give spoiler warnings for anyone who hasn't seen it <laughs> in the last 20 years, but um, we probably spoiled most of it. <laughs> We've spoiled the big thing already, so. But yeah, like, they, they throw you off and think, oh, it's going to be your father, okay, it's not her father, then... Maybe it's one of the mob guys or something, but no. But then when it find out that it's actually Andrea Beaumont, like, man, I never saw that coming. And I haven't found one person who I saw was saying, oh, I knew that was coming, or I knew she was going to be the Phantasm. Right, right. And another thing, too, about that movie is it, it's got such great scenery. I mean, it's it's like, I mean, they did it really good with the animated series, but, you know, it with the fan, with Mask of the Phantasm, it's like they outdid themselves because, I mean, e- even like that first shot of just the buildings is, is so awesome to look at. And, you know, when you get to Wayne Manor, that there's that one scene uh, by the cliffs where, you know, the sun is shining and the waves are crashing. And it's just, I mean, sometimes it's just a, wow, man, they, they did a lot with it. Yeah, thank goodness for a movie budget. <laughs> Let me just... Yeah. How the story goes is that it was originally supposed to be just a straight-to-home video movie, and then, like, at the last minute, one of the brothers all, you know what, we want to put this to a theatrical release. I know I kind of stressed Bruce Tim out. I'm <laughs> kind of like, oh, man, are we going to be able to pull this off? But, yeah, they sure did. I mean, it's a shame that all episodes can't look like that because when you see how good the animation is and, like I said, having a movie budget of how awesome 
Batman the Animated, animated Series can be at, I guess I don't want to say fulfilling its potential because it did that in the series, but as good as it can be is what we saw in Mask of the Phantasm, animation-wise, because the voice acting was stellar throughout the whole series, including the movie, so that wasn't any different, but just the animation was so much more better. Another great thing about um, Mask of the Phantasm, well, to me, anyways, the score. I mean, yeah. to this day, the, the score for Mask of the Phantasm is one of my favorites, and that's including everything that Hans Zimmer did with, with the Dark Nature and, you know, Danny Elfman with um, the, the Burton uh, movies. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just the opening music with the choir singing the animated series thing, <laughs> that's awesome. It's yeah. on such a more grander scale. Shirley Walker really did a knockout job with it again. Everyone was on their A-game for this movie. You know, just, just looking back at that movie and all the subsequent movies, it's kind of like Mask of the Phantasm, for me anyway. It's kind of like the, the measuring tape or the, the yardstick that you know, all other yeah. animated movies, you know, have to measure up to, you know? Yeah, totally agree with that. It's the same thing for me, yeah. Because even, like, all the DC animated movies that are coming out, a lot of them are really awesome, but still none can surpass Mask of the Phantasm for me. And I don't think there ever will be. Return of the Joker came pretty close, because that was such an awesome story, too. But, yeah, there's something about Phantasm where I just don't think it's ever going to be beat. That's my favorite animated Batman movie. I mean, just the, like I said, talking more about the story. I mean, I wasn't expecting those flashback sequences when I first saw it. And like I said, when I was a young kid, maybe I didn't, I don't think I appreciated it as much as I do now, but seeing the early life of Bruce when he first got back from his training and he returns to Gotham to fulfill his vow, all those scenes are probably my favorite moments throughout the whole movie. I mean, I think the, probably the most classic one in there is when he just doesn't know what to do if he should uh, pursue a relationship with Andrea or become Batman. And he knows he can't have both if he's going to be Batman. So then he just goes to his parents' graves and just starts talking to them, asking for their forgiveness, saying, is it all right for me to give this up? Like, I just love the line where he says, I never saw this coming. I didn't plan on being happy. And it just really shows you what Bruce was like after his parents' death and just that determination he had to be Batman because he knew he was never going to have any happiness. And then how he did find it just threw him such a curveball in there that he didn't know what to do. It's just great character development in there. I just love it. But it's like, it still works. Because I know there's probably going to be some people who complain about that. Oh, Bruce was going to uh, give up being Batman for a woman, and Batman would never do that. But to me, the movie pulls it off so well because you see the struggle he's having with it. I mean, to go to your parents' graves and it's like pouring your heart out to them and just telling them your feelings, to, and then they're dead too. So it's just showed you how much of a struggle it was. And then I personally think, too, it just adds to him being a better Batman in the end because he just suffered more tragedy from that, really. I mean, he had his heart broken when he was planning on being happy and probably the happiest he's ever going to be in his life. And then that gets taken away from him. So now he has two painful memories, really, and that's just going to drive him and motivate him more to be a better Batman. That's how I look at it, and thinking where it's not a big deal that he was not going to be Batman for Andrea. Yeah, and that's how you do it too, uh, especially with uh, you know superheroes and uh, uh, mistress or not mistresses, um, <laughs> a love interest. <laughs> um, you don't do it like Smallville, how Smallville did it, where it's like, oh man, I love Lana so much, and you carry that over like for like seven seasons. You know. He, you do it like how Mask of the Phantasm did it, because they did it perfect. Yeah, I mean, the performances, too. I mean, Kevin Conroy and uh, Dana Delaney, who did Andrea's voice, they had, like, perfect chemistry there, too. 
is where he really believed in their relationship that they had. And I'm not sure if they recorded in the same room, because I know Andrea usually like Andrea Romano usually likes to do that, but I'm not sure if they were able to for the movie. But if they weren't able to and it was just separate, I mean, you really couldn't tell at all, because they just had such, like I said, good chemistry and rapport with each other. So, like, hats off to both of them for building such a believable relationship between two animated characters. I have to ask you, Tim. Yes. How would you feel about it if it just Stone Raid sucked? <laughs> <laughs> you always have to ask that. Yeah. Well, you have to ask 10-year-old me. I mean, 10-year-old me would probably would liked it, even though it wasn't that great back then. Yeah. But there would probably still be something I could watch. Because I still watch I've Got Batman in the Basement when I'm going through <laughs> Batman the Animated Series season sets. Yeah, but, you know... Going back to uh, you know the relationship between uh, Bruce and Andrea, like it, it it's kind of like they they achieved what Christopher Nolan was trying to do with Rachel Dawes in uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, but they did it so much better. I mean, I, I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the chemistry is behind that, but I mean, you, you take a character like Rachel Dawes, especially in Batman Begins, and she's a terrible character. I mean, yeah, she does shine here and there, but, I mean, overall, she's... Uh, yeah, you never really me, never really thought yeah. to yourself that, oh, I could really see how, why Bruce would want to stop being Batman for her, but with, that, that's, uh, with Batman Mask of the Phantasm, you could definitely see why he'd want to give up his promise I made to his parents and spend the rest of the life with Andrea. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there has to be some kind of chemistry there, right? Yeah, like I said, Kevin Conroy and Dana Delaney pulled it off perfectly. Yeah. Why couldn't they do that for uh, the Dark Knight trilogy? Well, I'm sure Katie Holmes is one of the reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it had to do with the fact that they grew up as friends and they knew each other for a long time. Maybe that was different. <laughs> Somehow, some way where you just didn't fully yeah. believe it as much as you do in Mass of the Phantasm. Yeah, but you just reminded me of my two least favorite scenes in Batman Begins. Number one is when uh, uh, Katie Holmes shows up at uh, Bruce's door with the um, arrowhead, uh-huh. and he gives her the present, but then she gets a phone call, and she's like, no, don't release them. I mean, her her, her acting is so bad <laughs> in that scene. <laughs> and the second one is at the end, after uh, Wayne Manor burns down, and you know Bruce is going around checking out the the rubble and stuff, and she says that like, no, Bruce, this is your mask. It's, uh-huh. like, it's so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's bad dialogue, but I'm sure Maggie Gyllenhaal could have done a better job with that because, oh, that that just rubs me the entirely wrong way. <laughs> But her slapping Bruce didn't bother you? Was that okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was okay. It's just... <laughs> oh, man, those two scenes were terrible. And even before the... Sl- or right after the slap, where she's like, Oh, God, what did she say? I must have blocked it out of my head. Because it was so bad. <laughs> talking about she how bad like, Gotham's gotten. How Falcone yeah, is like, tearing the city apart. Something like that. Look, he's got drug guys all over the place, and blah 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 blah. Like her acting is so bad in like in those scenes, and yeah, it's probably Katie Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enough talking about uh, Rachel Dawes. Talking about Mask of the Phantasm here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they would have went a different direction in the Dark Knight trilogy, where instead of killing her off, 
she survived and she becomes a phantasm and comes back <laughs> to haunt Bruce. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> See, not for Rachel Dawes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I said earlier, where it was mainly, it's mainly a drama movie, but there was still some pretty cool acting sequences in there. Probably my favorite has to be the shootout he has with the SWAT in that abandoned building. Well, first he has that little or small fight with the phantasm, and that was cool. But then the police are on their tra- trail, and Batman goes to that abandoned building, and they start shooting at it, and then they blow it up, and Batman's just all battered and bloody. This is that cool shot where he looks at his hand and he sees blood on it. And he just looks shocked and surprised, like, oh, like, what's happening? <laughs> I just love that <laughs> sequence. The sound on that, too, was really good. I mean, if you have a good stereo system, uh, surround sound hooked up, I mean, it sounds amazing. <laughs> Hearing those bullets fly all over the place. Yeah, can I just say that uh, my favorite scenes are any scenes with Harvey Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> you even get to see him as a regular beat cop in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So every scene with Harvey Bullock in it is my favorite scene in the entire movie. That That's one strike against uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. They didn't have Harvey Bullock in it. Same thing with the with the Burton movies. Didn't have Harvey Bullock. But how? But when you first saw Flash when the Batman Begins, did you not think to yourself, "Oh, that's Harvey Bullock"? Before they said his name, because <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he looks nothing like Flash from yeah. the end. That's why <laughs> he's all fat and greasy and gross. And it's like Flash in year one was like a. It looks like he could, he could have been president or something. Yeah, short, blonde hair, clean cut. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully he but, wasn't Bullock no. because he turned out to be a crooked cop, and that's not Bullock. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I just want to see Bullock. I mean, forget about Wonder Woman. Forget about <laughs> uh, Bruce, I mean, uh, Ben Affleck is uh, Batman or Henry Cavill or Amy Adams or Morpheus. <laughs> Morpheus. I want to see Bullock. I, I just want to see Bullock. Let's get the Bullock movie going. Come on. I know. I mean, come on, DC. Marvel's got all these spin-off movies. I mean, come on. Ant-Man has a freaking movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> come on, Bullock. It's that a good idea. Act- he would actually make for a pretty cool movie, I have to say. Just, a, just make a good detective movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, a detective movie set in Gotham. There you go. But that work, get- really? Well, they're getting a the TV show now, so that's not going to happen anytime soon. Oh, yeah. We'll see the I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed that we're gonna see Bullock. Maybe a younger beat cop Bullock like we we see in Phantasm. Just hoping. Or like you haven't read Earth One, have you? Jeff Johns is bad. No, no. Because Bullock in there is totally different. <laughs> He's not oh. bad or anything. He's kind of like a clean cut detective. <laughs> Oh, so they they kind of do the switcheroo. Yeah, he's like Flash. Flash was was all gross, but in the comic, he was this clean-cut guy, so they did the switcheroo. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So I guess Harvey Bullock, one of your highlights for Mask of the Phantasm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, he makes the movie. I mean, forget about Andrea, forget about Bruce, forget about the Phantasm, forget about Batman. Bullock, he makes that freaking movie, man. I have to say, as a true Batman fan, <laughs> he makes the movie. <laughs> I do love it when he yells at the SWAT officer for shooting at the building and he causes the explosion. He just grabs the gun from him and just yells at him and calls him, you jerk. 
<laughs> Again, we got to give props to Mark Hamill for, for how he was in Mask of the Phantasm. Probably my favorite Joker sequence is uh, when Sal Valestra goes to offer up his help. And Joker just kind of scoffs at him. He's like, what do I look like? Pest control? And <laughs> he's just joking around with him. But then uh, when Sal starts, like, threatening him, saying he'll, like, your hands are dirtier than mine. So, like, don't think you're free from all this. And Joker just gets real mad at him. Just yells at him, like, don't touch me. And then he goes back to his playful side. I don't know where you've been. <laughs> just love, love the contrast Mark Hamill does. You see him as the evil maniac and then as the playful maniac, too. I can't think of a bad scene in that whole movie. I really can't. Or boring thing, just all of it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, and um, for some reason, the impression that I get from Joker is like I don't see his playful side. I mean, he's so dark in this movie. Well, to me, anyway. Yeah, well, the, the scene I described is a little playful when he when he yeah. first shows up in the movie. Yeah, and I, I mean, just the whole his whole introduction into the movie is so creepy. I mean, it's like that old abandoned museum yeah. thing. There's also two scene him. Before he was the Joker, I mean, they didn't say his name, he didn't talk, but you knew it was him. And then when Bruce finally figures it out, like, you know that's him. But it was just cool seeing him just as the hired monster working for the Valestra mob. I just love that aspect where they still played the Joker, not Joker origin, but the background where you really don't know much about him, even though they show him. So I thought that was cool. Then him being the one to actually kill Andrea's father and make him the last on her hit list, really, was a great way to end it. I mean, how awesome was that finale? Was that fight Batman and Joker having that uh, that ride from the fair where they're it's like they're having to fight with these oversized buildings? It's almost like a Godzilla <laughs> movie fight where there's <laughs> like background buildings, these airplanes flying around, <laughs> cutting Batman's arm. Batman knocks Joker's tooth out. <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So the only thing uh, negative I would say was that we didn't get more of the story of Andrea and the Valestra mob and the Phantasm and all that continued in animated form. I mean, there was a comic series, the Adventures of Batman comics, that was based off the animated series. They did a story where it continues, but I haven't read it, and I don't think it's available digital, so (laughs) it's kind of hard to find. So I kind of want to check that out eventually, but I just wish they would have done something where some episodes of Batman the Animated Series or a sequel movie. I mean, the only thing we got was in the Batman... uh, or Justice League episode epilogue, where uh, Amanda Waller hired Andrea to kill Terry's parents, and that's the only other hint we got of her in the Phantasm. So I just wish we got a little more of it afterwards. Yeah, right. So that that uh, comic series might might as well not even exist then, <laughs> because you you can't find it digitally, you can't find it in the store, right? Yeah, exactly. I just remember the cover is <laughs> Joker is in the Phantasm outfit, and he has. He's holding the mask, but you see his face. So I was like, oh, man, I want to see what the story's about. It's probably about, like, I don't know, uh, Andrea falls and injures her cat. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's, that's the story, story you get. Somehow Catwoman was involved because of that. Oh, God. Written by Anne Nacenti. Not, not the good Catwoman. <laughs> oh, man. The Anne Nacenti Catwoman. <laughs> so I guess... If you had to rank it, not animated-wise, but just rank it amongst every Batman movie, where would you put Phantasm? I'd probably put it at number two. Okay. Behind yeah. Dark Knight Rises, still? Yeah, probably after the, the Dark Knight Rises. Maybe if you see it again, it'll bump it up. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the last time you saw it? Uh, yeah, it was like a year or two ago. So you saw it after you seen Dark Knight Rises then, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, for me, it's I'm still having that number one 
just edging it out over the Dark Knight, <laughs> just a little bit. And maybe it's nostalgia reasons, but I just think overall, it's, I just love that story and the performances so much in that movie. To me, it's it's flawless. And kind of what yeah. uh, prompted this discussion was that I, I mean, it was a 20th anniversary, but I wish Warner Brothers would do like I know they can't have a wide release re-release of the movie, but I wish they would do some screenings. Maybe it's in major cities or something, but in uh, Texas they're having a special screening for the 20th anniversary. And there's some awesome, like, posters that were designed just for that screening, where it's just a giant-sized phantasm and bat, a small Batman figure just staring up at her on her, like, a, her claw or her uh, talon or whatever her armored hand uh, pieces. But it just looks really cool. And then it's like a movie poster where you see on the bottom characters of Batman, Andrea, Joker, just uh, like you would regular movie posters. It just looks really cool and retro. I just wish Warner Brothers would have done something more to celebrate this 20th anniversary because they didn't do it last year for the animated series and they didn't do it this year for the Phantasm. So I just kind of think it's not that many animated series isn't on their priority list as far as celebrating milestones, which is disappointing for me. Oh, you mean one of the greatest animated series in the history of television? (laughs) Is it? (laughs) I mean, uh, among animated movies, it's definitely number one. I mean, like I said, nothing really compares to it. Maybe it was because it was kind of like the first one, you know, in, in th- this modern era. And, yeah, just just really nothing that DC has released animated-wise really compares to it. Maybe Red Hood. Yeah. Um, maybe All-Star Superman. Yeah, to me, the only two, like you said, Red Hood, but not quite. And then Return of the Joker, for me, is probably the closest one that yeah. to reach it as far as how the quality of greatness it is. <laughs> or even Sub-Zero. I mean, Sub-Zero is a great movie, too. Yeah, to me, it never reached that level as Phantasm. I mean, I really like it, but it just wasn't the same for me. <laughs> but I know it's held in high regard. At, I know some people probably like it even better than Phantasm. Cause, but for me, yeah, it just didn't quite reach the same impact as Phantasm did for me. And I safe to say Mystery of the Batwoman doesn't even come close. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't even own a copy of that. <laughs> I have it on DVD, and I haven't gotten the Blu-ray yet, but a part of me wants to get to. Just to be a completionist, to have everything on Blu-ray for uh, DC animated movies, I want to get it, but it's been out for like yeah, a no. year now, and I still haven't gotten it. Yeah, but even then, it's kind of like buying a, a Volkswagen Scirocco. I mean, it's like, that thing is so ugly and <laughs> terrible. It's not horrible. It's just not. That's not their best. Really, you, you don't think it's horrible? No, I don't think it's I mean, horrible. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> you I, know, I'm just saying that you know, yeah, maybe if you're an extreme collector, you you might want it, but uh, I mean, I, I can never see myself pulling it pulling it out on a Tuesday night when I have nothing to do. You know. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I've done that with the DVD maybe once after I saw it for the first time. <laughs> but if you want, we can have a discussion on that because this year is its 10th anniversary of Mystery of the Batwoman. So instead of Phantasm's 20th, we could talk about Mystery of the Batwoman's 10th anniversary. <laughs> now, this one I haven't seen in years. <laughs> Since it came out in 2003. <laughs> Since it came out in 2003, I probably haven't seen it. See, that gets me. Why does that get a Blu-ray release and Phantasm doesn't? <laughs> because uh, Warner Brothers has to get all the crap out of the way first. Yeah. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get 
an animated movie quite like that again, as far as superheroes go. That's just, I think, as good as it gets. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it's a one-of-a-kind kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, like, the right time, you know, the, the right people, definitely the right people. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely the right cast, and, you know, they, they took advantage of that, even if they didn't think that they were. So. The only unfortunate part about it was that it didn't last long in theaters. It just kind of played in matinee showings for like a few weeks, and then it was gone. I remember yeah, uh, wasn't it two weeks? Yeah, something weeks, like that. Right? Yeah, I remember the Siskel and Ebert uh, forgot to review it when it was for its theatrical run. So when it came out in video, they had to give their review for it. <laughs> and they were giving it high praise. I mean, it's on YouTube; you can watch it. They were just praising the movie, but. Um, it was Gene Siskel who said the only thing I really didn't like about it was uh, the voice actor who played the Joker. I don't even think he knew it was Mark Hamill. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, you can't knock that. But, yeah, that's 20 years of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And now just talking about it makes me want to go watch it again. <laughs> so goodbye, Dan. <laughs> All right, see ya. I'll just continue on my own. Yes. I'll just make stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Amy Adams is really Wonder Woman, and this Gal Gadot girl is really – uh, just uh, a distraction. Or maybe she can be the phantasm. Oh, yeah, she's the phantasm. <laughs> or, alternatively, she's Harvey Bullock. Well. She just got a lot of plastic surgery, changed her sex, and uh, grew like six or seven inches. So. <laughs> the ultimate plot twist right there. I think we're on to something, Tim. We were right about Bane being a girl and Batman going out with the with the bomb and exploding into the sunset. <laughs> Yeah, so who knows if we'll be right on this. Maybe she'll pose as a detective or something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but speaking of movies, uh, you know, we're just going to keep on this movie track. Apparently, the, the uh, writer of Argo, uh, this guy named Chris Terrio, is uh, is going to be writing the screenplay or taking over the screenplay, right? Yeah, he's taking um, – I don't want to say taking over, but probably just doing another draft for it because – this actually was kind of surprising to me because we always just heard David Goyer was writing the script and he wrote Man of Steel by himself. So when I heard this, I was like, well, that's surprising. But I think it's going to be for the better, actually. Probably once Ben Affleck got involved, he obviously had to like the story idea that was presented to him for him to agree to play Batman. But maybe there were certain things maybe he thought could have been done better or could be changed. And he brought on the, the guy who wrote Argo, Chris Terrio, who he worked with, so... And the guy's an Oscar winner. He won for writing Argo, so it's not like yeah. he's a terrible writer. <laughs> it's like, oh, who's this guy? Why is he writing this movie? So I think it's a good thing, actually, just to kind of – if there was anything in the original script that needed to be ironed out or changed, um, I'm glad they're doing it, and they got a good writer to do it. So Yeah, and I'm glad the internet reaction wasn't like um, Michael Arndt uh, being uh, the writer for Star Wars. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where it's like, he wrote Toy Story 3 and Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, how could, how can he be doing Star Wars? It's like, Michael Arn wrote those movies, and those movies were really good, and yeah. he was nominated for Oscars for it, so. Yeah, and I can't say I've seen Argo or seen a movie that this guy's written, but, I mean, if yeah. you win an Oscar for something, you have to have some talent, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, and I, I, I've seen Argo, and Argo's a really good movie. So, um, if he wrote that script, then... You know, it, it it shouldn't be something we have to worry about. Yeah. And I just wonder now, too, whenever these announcements happen about new writers coming on board, just when we actually see the movie, how much was originally David Goyer stuff and how much was going to be this new guy, Chris Terrio. So we've got to wait for, like, 
behind-the-scenes documentaries or behind-the-scenes books that come out until we get that answer. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Star Wars. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Just have to wait. <laughs> you want to know who to give credit to when you really like it, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um... Well, did you also hear... The only other thing... There was a rumor, it's not confirmed or anything, but the rumor that Joaquin Phoenix is up for the main villain role for the movie. And that, of course, when it says main villain, everyone thinks it's Lex Luthor. And I just wanted to see if you kind of were picturing that could see him as Lex Luthor, or if you think he could be someone else, or you think the whole rumor is just nothing and just a wait and see. Because I actually think he could be a pretty good Lex Luthor in some of the pictures I've seen in some of his other movies. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure he's talked to the production, or the production production has talked to him to uh-huh. play some kind of role. But, um, yeah, I, I think Joaquin Phoenix is a really, really good actor. And I'm not sure about Lex Luthor. I'm not sure how I could see him as Lex Luthor. I mean, I, I've, I've seen a couple of fan art uh, pictures where, of course. you know, <laughs> he, <laughs> he has that bald head and stuff. But, I don't know, I, I just hope he isn't Lex Luthor. He's somebody else. Well, I'm definitely hoping Lex Luthor is in the movie. I think he has to be in it. But as far as who plays him, I mean, I'm sure we'll get someone good. I don't have a preference. I'm not saying, oh, it has to be Brian Creston because he's bald and Breaking Bad that he has to be Luthor. <laughs> yeah, you remember that rumor? Yeah. It was like, oh, my God, Brian Cranston is going to be Lex Luthor because he has a shaved head. <laughs> yeah, he shaved shaved it for Breaking Bad, but still. He has I know, a shaved I cracked head. me up. Any actor what, who's bald was what, what, rumored. Yeah. I, I did see a couple of, um, what do you call it, like, people trying to connect the dots where it was like he was in a Warner Brothers movie. Uh, Brian Cranston was in a uh, Warner Brothers movie, and he's in the new Godzilla movie. Yeah. He's like, and somebody was saying, I think it might, might have been Elma Imbe, was saying, um, come on, you guys have to connect dots. They're obviously talking to him. He's obviously <laughs> going to be in the movie. It's like, it's like, yeah, he, he's done a Water Brothers movie, and he's going to be in the Godzilla movie. Does not mean he's going to be in Batman Superman. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's like, how, how do you connect those dots? I mean, what kind of line are you making? I know, something so obvious, too. Anyone can make those connections. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, he's bald. Yeah, yeah he's bald. It's just like everyone. But it was for Breaking Bad. He had to shave his head for Breaking Bad. It's like everyone's saying every character or actor who was in the new Star Trek films are going to be in Star Wars because they worked with J.J. Abrams before. It's like, uh, I don't mean anything. <laughs> Maybe a few will, but don't expect all of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Tim, but Chris Pine, he's going to be a Jedi. He's going to be the main Jedi. He's going to be uh, Luke's kid. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would have might have seen him in a Star Wars movie. That actually might work, him as being Luke's kid. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. Or maybe he'll be Lex Luthor. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Chris Pine isn't going to be Lex Luthor. You know in Star Trek Into Darkness, that that weird-looking guy, that bald-headed guy? Um, bald-headed guy. Yeah, with the big eyes, and he's kind of got, like, blue lips. He only has, like, one or two lines in the movie. He, he, he's he, in the he, main he, control room. Is he an alien? Yeah, yeah. He's like a, Or he's either an alien or a robot because he talks really weird. Uh, I'm not, not remembering that. From the latest one, Into Darkness, or the first one? Yeah, Into Darkness. He, yeah. he He's behind that clear pane of glass, and he's like a, the navigator or something. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> oh, my God, Tim. <laughs> I've only seen it twice. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he, he's going to be Lex Luthor. Oh, I don't know if you know this, but no, I didn't. he's going to be Lex Luthor. 
Well, now we know. We can move on. <laughs> Sulu's going to be Lex Luthor, okay? <laughs> or uh, Uhura's going to be Lex Luthor. Yeah, let's make a checkoff. Uh, yeah, checkoff. E- even though he has one of the worst movie accents in the history of movies. <laughs> yes, he does. Well, anyway, Tim, stop talking about Star Trek. What's wrong with you? Hey, that one was on you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. Stop blaming me for your problems, too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we finally have some comic news, Tim. Finally, after a, a drought of, like, five months, we finally have some comic book news. It's not good, uh, either. Yeah, it's not good news, either. Uh, unfortunately, uh, The Dark Knight is going to be ending uh, in March 2014, which, you know, I'm kind of sad to see because I... I feel that, like, besides Snyder and uh, previously J.H. Williams and uh, W. Hidden Blackman, uh, Greg Hurwitz's uh, Dark Knight was one of those consistently good books. Yep. I mean, yeah, sure, he botches the endings of, like, every <laughs> single storyline he's ever written, but... It never kills the story, I, though. Yeah, it, it never kills the story, and he, he... I think his legacy on the book is going to be he brought us closer to the villains and gave us a new spin on the villains and a new uh, train of thought on them yeah definitely I mean he saved this book I mean it was a train wreck I mean this would actually be good news if we were talking about this a year ago (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah he really saved that book Um, and man I'm I'm going to miss his 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 dark knight because I mean I think his Mad Hatter uh, storyline was like one of the best story, ongoing storylines that, you know, we've read since the New 52. And uh, I, I don't want to see it go, too. I, I don't want to see it go. Yeah, and the other part that kind of makes me disappointed about it, besides it just ending, is that the storyline it's going to end on has to do with Man Bat. And I've enjoyed nothing of Man Bat so far in the New 52. <laughs> well, maybe not alone, Tim. <laughs> maybe it was just because of the writer who was writing him, uh, John Lehman. And I don't know if he did all the backups, too, but whoever's doing the backups, it just hasn't been great. So I just hope maybe Greg Hurwitz can do for Mad Hat what he did for Mad Hat or Scarecrow and Clayface, because he did awesome jobs on most three villains. And I have to say, too, this is one of the things I love about Twitter, just being able to say thank you to a creative creator of something, just letting them know that you appreciate what they did. And you know that it's getting through to them, and then they respond just by saying thanks, I've just given you a favorite on there. Just, that's the best thing, part about Twitter, I think. Just getting able to say thank you and telling the creative people about how much you appreciate the work. Because I did that to Greg Hurwitz and he just uh, gave me a, a favorite star. And this uh, makes you feel good that they appreciate you showing your appreciation to them and their creative work. So that's when Twitter is at its best. Not for all these feuds and <laughs> uh, rumors <laughs> going around, but just saying thank you to some creative forces that you would never have the chance to in person. Yeah, and I have to say, and I don't mean to sound uh, nerdy or anything, but I sent the tweet to uh, J.H. Williams after uh, the Batwoman number zero, uh, and he responded back. I mean, I, I I just pretty much said, you know, Batwoman number zero is like one of the best issues I've ever read, uh, you know, of any comic anywhere. And, you know, he responded back with something. I can't remember what he said, but I must have screamed like <laughs> and, uh, That was so cool. But Yeah. And not everybody does cool it, too. To, That's why yeah. it's really cool when the 
people actually do do it, do respond. Because yeah, right. I've had Scott Snyder send me a direct message, which was, which was cool, but I can't send him a reply because he doesn't follow me. So I couldn't say, oh, thanks for the reply. Like Greg Hurwitz yeah. and uh, James Arnold Taylor respond to a few things, which is cool. So, yeah. What did you talk to James Arnold Taylor about? I mean, what did you tweet him? Um, remember when Clone Wars first got announced that it was canceled? Yeah. Uh, James Arnold Taylor sent out, like, he made a post on his blog about how much he appreciated the show and how disappointed it is and how it was such a great part of his life. So I just sent the tweet out of that uh, picture I took of him back in the the Savage Press screening to say, and like, James Arnold Taylor, you're one of the best in the business. Like, you couldn't set it better in that post you made, and then you gave me a, a thumbs up or a star, <laughs> which is <laughs> how it is on Twitter. <laughs> I like that guy. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all the news we have. That's pretty much what's happening. Uh, we, we don't have an email from Alex. Alex, what the hell's going on, man? Come on. It's not your no. fault, our bizarre scheduling <laughs> in the last month. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we love Alex, and we miss him very much. He's the fifth Beatle, and uh, we appreciate his emails when he sends them. You know, I have to say... There's like a lot of fifth Beatles. There's George Martin, there's Brian Epstein, but maybe to a lesser extent people could say Billy Preston. Who <laughs> just did yeah, the keyboards on some songs. For me, it's Billy Preston, especially <laughs> on Let It Be. Because maybe it makes me biased, but I just love Billy Preston. I, I do. I love his music. <laughs> See, I can't tell if you're being serious or not. <laughs> no, no, I'm being serious. Okay. I, I love Billy Preston's music. Well, there you go. You know, my dad really? actually met him. Really? Yeah, it's Where? One those uh, Beatle uh, festivals or Beatle conventions, I guess. He oh. was one of the guests there, and he got to meet him. Oh, I see. But if you don't like Billy Preston, Tim, and you really want to be sold on him, uh, go and listen or watch uh, the concert for Bangladesh. Okay. Go watch his three songs. I think he did three. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I really uh, haven't heard any of his stuff besides the uh, stuff he played on Let It Be on keyboards, and that's about it, really. Yeah. Yeah, but it has a whole new layer to let it be. Yeah. I mean I mean the Beatles overall. So that that's why to me Billy Preston is the fifth Beatle. Case closed then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Alright, so I, I guess we can um get into some, some comic book reviews, uh or, or review. Oh no wait, you got two books, right, Tim? Kinda if you can uh, call them books. <laughs> yeah. So uh uh we have Batman and Two Face number twenty six and we have uh Batman Beyond number <laughs> like five, six, seven, eight, five. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I finally got caught up on my digital Batman Beyond comics. It took me forever, so I finally finished the first arc. Yeah. All right. So our rating scale for this episode is going to be Billy Billy Preston songs that Tim has never heard but are awesome. <laughs> so uh, Batman and Two Face number twenty six. Tim, what did you think about it? Yeah, for this one. This whole story arc's been kind of oh, weird. Oh, wait, Tim. Tim, uh, I forgot to say. Spoilers and spoilers and a lot of spoilers. If you <laughs> want to be spoiled, just come back to this part when you're done reading your books. So, sorry, Tim. Go ahead. You had to say it. It just yep. would be the same without it. And then we would be held li- <laughs> liable for if we spoiled it for anybody, then they sue us, take us to court, and it'd be a whole mess. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole bunch of litigation, and we have to hire lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, back to Batman and Two-Face number 26. Been torn on the story arc as a whole, really, because there is a good story here, but I just haven't really loved it 
and I think it's mainly because I don't like how they're doing Two Face's origin and how Harvey Dent became Two Face. If they didn't, that had nothing to do with it. It'd just be a cool mob story that has to do with Two Face. Because in the last issue, we have uh, the last member of this mob family named Erin, and I'm blanking on, blinking on her last name, but it's something that's Scottish, I believe. <laughs> Maybe it'll come back to me. Erin Andrews. <laughs> no, she's not a Fox Sports news reporter. <laughs> She's just a mob boss. <laughs> but in the last issue, she was in uh, held up in prison, but Bruce, disguised as Madges Malone, snuck her out of there. Now she's in Wayne Manor, and Bruce has her tied to a chair as he's eating dinner. And it made for some pretty funny uh, panels as we see Bruce enjoying a nice meal, and she's chained to a tied up to a chair in her uh, prison suit. Because <laughs> her and Bruce have a history, and Bruce kind of wants to keep her safe because he knows Harvey's going to kill her once he gets the chance because she – Killed Dula Dent, or not Dula Dent, I'm thinking of terrible Joker's daughter. <laughs> killed the Dent and scarred Two Face. So I think it's pretty safe to say he has it out for her. So Bruce is trying to keep her safe, but in the end, she calls one of her cousins who's going to come pick her up and get her out of there because her and Bruce, they know each other from the past, but they're not on best terms now. Obviously, she's since she's a crime boss and murders tons of people. She also has a twin sister who we've kind of got hints of in the previous two issues, but now we see their full story, where in the flashbacks we get both of them seeing them locked up, and Harvey Dent, of course, is prosecuting them. And one of them's real mild, and the other one, Aaron, who's still alive, is the aggressive one who is just out to <laughs> kill people or speak her mind or just do it, everything that's is violence <laughs> or is violent-oriented. Uh, see, I can't even talk tonight <laughs> again. Violent oriented, I guess. Those are the words I was trying to look for. Violent, violent orientated. <laughs> there. Maybe you should just take over this review, game since I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, and and, and then uh, Aaron Andrews went and uh, interviewed uh, Mike Napoli for some reason, even though she's she's a, a football reporter. Uh, and she gets everybody's names wrong, and uh, <laughs> and for some reason she was there at uh, the the World Series uh, trophy being handed to uh, John Henry. Uh, for some reason, even though she, why was she the host for that? And she gave um, David Ortiz a truck. So, <laughs> wow, your review yeah. was spot on. I don't have to talk That's anymore. That's what happened in Batman and Two-Face number 26. So I would probably give this a one and a half out of five <laughs> Billy Preston songs that Tim uh, hasn't heard, but it's awesome. <laughs> you said it all perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, now that hopefully I can talk again. <laughs> uh, back in the flashback, Aaron and her sister Sharon, they're sharing a cell, and they're trying to figure out a ways to get out. And they pretty much come to the conclusion that if one of them survives, that's all that really matters. So the other twin sisters, they're twins, and the one Sharon kills herself by hanging herself in her cell. And when they come to get the body, they switch it up where they pretty much bribe the security guard to make it look like Aaron was the dead body, but she was actually still alive and was snuck out and was able to escape. Then we get back to the present where Bruce is letting her go to her cousin, and they're kind of talking about what to do next as they want to take out Two-Face, and she reveals that the whole reason she came back to Gotham was to kill Two-Face, and that since she created him, 
he was the mess that she now had to clean up. But it turns out her cousin, who went to pick her up, is betraying her, and he puts something in a drink that knocks her out. And the next pages we get, she's sitting right in front of Two-Face at Gilded Dent's grave. So Carvey is pretty much going <laughs> to... <laughs> this is like the worst review ever. I can't Damn. talk. I'm choking on myself. <laughs> I will finish this for you. All right. <laughs> Harvey Dent goes to the grocery store and finds out that they do not have the special kind of peanut butter that uh, Gilda Dent needs. So he has to call Gilda on his cell phone and tell her that there are a variety of peanut butters. And you can pick one, even though it's not the brand that you want. But Gilda says, no, 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 no. I want that peanut butter or no peanut butter at all. So Harvey went to the supermarket for no reason at all, pretty much, because they did not have that specific peanut butter. And then it gets thrown on his face. (laughs) That's what happened to me, by the way. (laughs) So you're living out Harvey Dent's life. Yeah, I should just scar, my, scar like a half of my face. <laughs> With peanut butter, of course. <laughs> Acid peanut butter. <laughs> but anyway, maybe I can try to finish this. <laughs> without messing up words or choking. Two-Face is going to kill her now, now that he has her right where she wants her in front of Gilda Dent's grave. But instead of killing her, he kills her cousin who brought her to him in the first place, knowing that he couldn't be left alive, because pretty much everyone in her mob family wants Two-Face dead. But before uh, Two-Face can kill Aaron, Batman shows up on his motorcycle, and we get a pretty cool splash page of the mobsters firing at the motorcycle, but of course, it's just ricocheting off it, and Batman is able to take out these cards, no problem. But then it turns out that one of them, there was... One of the gravestones was going to fall on Harvey Dent, but Batman pushes him out of way out of the way to save himself. And then he gets trapped under the gravestone, kind of like how in uh, Mask of the Phantasm, how she kills the second mob boss, where she just pushes the gravestone over him. <laughs> it's kind of like that. But of course, we know Batman's not dead, and that's where the issue ends. Where Harvey has him trapped, but there's no sign of where Aaron is. So we'll see where it picks up in the next issue. But overall, I enjoyed this issue more so than. The first two, maybe because it didn't have flashback sequences of Harvey actually becoming Two-Face, which I think is the weakest part of it. But we just got a flashback of Aaron and her sister and how they're involved with Harvey Dent. Because I think the premise as a whole was really good, where Two-Face has ties to this mob family. But at the same time, too, I just don't like how they're involved with him becoming Two-Face. I just wish they would have kept his origin pretty much the same as it was in the comics or even how it was in the animated series or the Dark Knight, but <laughs> I know they probably wanted to do their own spin on it since it's the new 52, but I just don't think it holds up to those to his other origins. So overall, it was just an enjoyable issue. I'll give it three out of five Billy Preston songs that I've never heard, never heard, but which are awesome. Uh, so Tim, Batman Beyond number 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Maybe not that many, but Yeah, let's see if we can get this review better, because uh, I think that Batman and Robin, or Batman and Two-Face, was the worst review ever on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think you're having a seizure. Yeah. Tim. He, just, he needs awful. to go to the hospital. <laughs> All right, well, I'll do the Batman Beyond review from the hospital, then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, I finally finished the first story arc of Kyle Higgins' Batman Beyond digital comic series. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, he created a new villain called uh, Rewire, and the main po- uh, uh, already off to a bad start. 
the main purpose of the story was that the mayor was been killed inside Arkham, and wherever the big mystery was, how was he killed and who killed him? And of course, when we saw the villain Rewire showed up, you knew he was the person who killed him. But then it gets revealed later on that it was actually his son, and it was his son was pretty much a troubled kid who was actually being taken into Arkham. And his father, who was the mayor, was paying for these new treatments and these new facilities to try to help his son. But, of course, it didn't work, and he became a supervillain. His powers is kind of like an electro, where he's got a lot of electricity as his powers, but he's able to produce a bunch of energy because he takes this formula that's a mix of venom and also the Joker toxin, and he needs his suit in order to kind of be able to handle that. So we've got some cool sequence where he hires Ink, Spellbinder, and Shriek to help him take out Batman. And the first fight sequence was pretty cool because Spellbinder was using his uh, deception and uh, illusions to make all four of them look like the Bat family members, Nightwing, Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. I talked about this on many episodes ago when this first came out, but it was a cool fight sequence. But while the story was pretty simple, it wasn't my favorite part about this arc. The thing that I loved about it most was just how this mystery surrounding what happened between Terry and Bruce, because I love how now Terry is working with Dick and it's such a different relationship. They pretty much have more in common because Dick isn't as brooding and dark as Bruce was. So that's kind of how Terry is. So they kind of make for a good team and a good mentor uh, protege relationship. But I just want to find out what's happened with Bruce. Why does Terry hate him now? And you know, they're going to eventually make their way back to, get their relationship on good terms again, but I just want to find out what happened in that year gap that we don't know about. But there's just some cool things where Terry gets beaten up and just taken out really bad by Rewire, and the bat suit's just torn up, is pretty much disabled, and he's fallen into the river, but the suit has a function where it pretty much goes to where it was created. There's like a tracking system on there where if it's broken or destroyed or it just needs to get back to home, it can by itself, so it pretty much takes Terry back to the Batcave automatically without him knowing. And Bruce fixes him up, he repairs the suit, but he doesn't talk to Terry at all. He just leaves him alone in the Batcave, he puts some information on his desk for him to find out who actually Rewire is, and he says nothing to him. They don't even see each other, really. That kind of gets Terry upset with that. Bruce doesn't even know what's going on, but yet he figures out this whole mystery surrounding Rewire, and we weren't able to. I just love it how Bruce is still one step ahead of all of them when he's not even in the mix together. But that was the stuff I liked best about it. I just seeing Terry kind of cope with him, because he's a different person from when we last left him in the previous Batman Beyond comic series. He's in a weird spot where he's trying not to be like Bruce, but at the same time, he's trying to keep his distance from the people he cares about, from his family, from Dana, and to a lesser extent, Dick. But, of course, they work together, so they're going to see each other. But Dick's kind of telling him the opposite. No, you got to embrace those people that love you and make sure you don't end up like Bruce because that's not you. So those are some good character moments for Terry and just overall a really good first start to Kyle Higgins' run on Batman Beyond. I'm looking forward to what he has next because I know we said he's going to reveal eventually what – happened in this year gap from the previous series, so I just can't wait to see what happens, though. Overall, for his first run, I'm going to go ahead and give it four out of five Billy Preston songs that I never heard of, but are awesome. And I think that review went better. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Why don't you review my review? <laughs> what would you give my reviews? <laughs> I'm feeling generous, so half out of five Billy Preston songs that I've heard, but are awesome. <laughs> 
All right, so that concludes our comic reviews and the podcast overall, unless there's anything else you want to say, Tim, about um, Mike Napoli. <laughs> Mike Napoli, you need to shave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that beard is must be gross by now. But anyway, um, just want to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by Tweet to Audio. Uh, apparently they have some very, very good headphone earphones over there, or headphones. Depends whatever you want to call them. I right, Tim? Headphones. I prefer earphones, Tim, because oh, I'm an concert. ear person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can head over to tweetsaudio.com and you can uh, uh, pick out an earphones that you like. And uh, when you're checking out, just type in the promo code TBU saves, and you can get 33% off your entire order, and free worldwide shipping. So just go over to tweakedaudio.com. And uh, you can visit our host site, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, or on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. And you can follow all of us on Twitter, and our, our Twitter... <laughs> <laughs> I spread my tears to you. <laughs> I know, stop it, Tim. I stuttered uh, and Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311, and Rob's is drummer at DrummerRob10. And mine, well, you don't need to know that because I never tweet. So <laughs> I think you have two tweets. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I look at my Twitter uh, timeline like every hour or so, so technically on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just find that I have nothing to say. It's just like I... It's like, you know what, I'm going to tweet this. And then it's like, oh, you know what, never mind, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that way when I first started. But then as I got more yeah. followers and some people actually responded to my tweets, then that's when I started tweeting more and more. Oh, I see. But, anyway, Tim, stop talking about, stop being so narcissistic. <laughs> yes, it's always about me, me, me. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on iTunes as well as all of the other Batman Universe podcasts. And you can rate and review us, and you can rate and review them, too. And Dustin's on all the Batman Universe podcasts, except for this one. And uh, if you heard our discussion about um, Aaron Andrews and Mike Napoli and Billy Preston, you'll know why he's not on this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, with that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to give out our... Uh, email address. Nobody's gonna know it. And Alex, you know it. So, uh, and, and you have my personal email address. So you can just email me. Uh, so but it's batfans27 at gmail dot com. Oh God! <laughs> when are you ever gonna read that? I mean, when is anybody ever going to send an email? And how are you gonna read that? <laughs> One day we already got someone news a few weeks ago. So. Maybe another year we'll get another one. <laughs> okay, I guess. Uh, yeah, badfans27 at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash badfanspodcast. So with that, Tim, I think I speak for both of us when I say that we love you. We love you very much, listeners. Uh, Alex, you're the fifth Beatle. You're Billy Preston, man. <laughs> Such an honor. And, uh, yes. We love all of you, though. Uh, and um, don't miss us. I mean, miss us, but, you know, don't cry and be a wreck because uh, we'll, we'll be back here in two weeks doing this. 
It'll probably be it'll probably be next year, right, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be next year. It will be. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Um, but we'll be back here doing this, so don't cry. Don't cry. Um, just know that we love you. We love you very much. And uh, goodbye for now. Goodbye. I mean, not goodbye, because there's never any goodbyes, right, Tim? Uh, let's just say, call it Hello Goodbye in honor of the Beatles song. Or we could say, see you next time. <laughs> or I'll just, put, I'll just pull a dust in and just be like, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> How original. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that has been this podcast. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> These are not something dumb where, like, the Batman Universe podcast, out. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Dustin drops his, his headset on the ground <laughs> and walks away. I mean, everyone says that. A lot of podcasts, like, we'll see you next time. We've said it. Other podcasts say it. But unless you're a video yeah. podcast, we never see you next time. <laughs> okay. You'll hear well, us next time. <laughs> you'll hear us next time. Or we could say, um, what else can we say? Uh, Adios. <laughs> Sayonara. No, because that's just bye, right? In different languages. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know what? We'll see you in two weeks because we love you that much, even though we have no listeners. <laughs> we love you. We love you. You listening to this right now. We love you. <laughs> Guy or a girl. Great tip. Yes. No plug. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Say bye to you. Bye-bye. No, you're supposed to say bye to Bye to Okay. <laughs> That's how you close it out. We need to say goodbye to ourselves. Yeah. And um, in another news, I have uh, I have watched Titanic. Oh, you did? <laughs> it was on Netflix. Uh, tell me and, it's not uh, No, because I had to skip through the beginning. Sometimes I look at the moon, cry.